0: NWP Radio. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. NWP. NWP I'm Elise Ivan Adolf, the National Writing Project, and I'm here with some of my good colleagues in the NWP Network, Catherine Williams and Crystal Kelly. And the three of us are here to hear from Kim. Culbertson up there in the corner. Thanks, Kim. We're going to be talking to Kim about 100 word stories. Now, Kim Culbertson, a name you may know, is author of a long list of YA novels. You may know these names as well. I'll name a couple of them Songs for a Teenage Nomad, Instructions for a Broken Heart, The Wonder of Us and Catch a Falling Star. And Catch a Falling Star was named a Bank Street Best Children's Book of the Year. So all these wonderful novels, but that's not what we're here to talk to her about. Kim is also a high school teacher and has been teaching high school since 1997. She's also a member of our Writers' Council in the NWP, which is a group of writers that help us promote the importance of writing and the need for writing in our lives. And Kim, the teacher part of Kim has become obsessed with the 100 word story, writing it, reading it and working with young people around it. So that's what the three of us are here to learn from Kim about. So we're gonna spend some time in a workshop mode. And if you're a viewer watching this at home, this is something that you can come along with. There's gonna be links and resources at the bottom of the page. So you can see what the handouts are. Join the three of us, Catherine, Crystal, and myself, as we learn from Kim about 100-word stories. That's our goal today. A quick thing, Kim, before we start, just for everyone who's listening. Okay, like the 100-word story, it's not like you just made it up. It's an actual thing in flash fiction, right? Like you can find them in the world. So tell us what are 100-word stories. Okay, well, a 100-word story
1: is a complete arc all in a hundred words. So it has all the elements of a longer story, of a short story or a novel even, it just does it in this tiny micro universe of a hundred words. I first fell in love with these when Grant Faulkner introduced me to them as a way of examining different literary elements for my students character, point of view, setting, dialogue, conflict, sensory imagery, arc, all of these things exist within these tiny, perfect little glimmery jewels of stories. And so whereas for my students, sometimes longer pieces can be overwhelming, I started finding that starting with 100 word stories and using them sort of sprinkled throughout my curriculum, always brought them back to
0: this like accessible form. And for those of you who are listening, if you know, if you're thinking, where did I hear the word Grant Faulkner? Grant is also an author and member of the Writers' Council and also is the head of NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month, well known to everybody in the NWP. And so here we've got a couple of examples of people who work in very long forms, but are also really intrigued by these very short jewel-like often called flash fiction, Mm -hmm. um, very short things. So we know that a lot of you in the NWP, we've seen on a lot of listservs that especially this year, we're recording this during, you know, the very challenging academic year of 2020, 2021, that there's a kind of beauty in short forms um, and the way that you can work in hybrid or remote, and of course, face-to-face ways, sometimes with these short forms. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna hear more about that and turn it over to Kim in a second. But just before we do, let's hear a little bit from Catherine and Crystal, who we are, what we teach, and what's kind of interesting about this. And Catherine, let's start with you.
2: My name is Catherine Williams. I teach 10th grade English and AP Literature at West Marion High School, which is in South Mississippi. I'm really, really interested in how these can become a manageable way, like you said, for students, you know, to practice with those literary elements, but then to immediately put it into practice for themselves and become, you know, the author and just take on that creative role.
0: And Crystal.
3: Uh, Crystal Kelly, I am here in Central Texas, I teach 10th grade English and I'm the instructional coach for the English department on our campus. I am a lover of language and playing with language. And I was curious about these a couple years ago and I've tried them out here and there, but this year seemed to have a lot more creativity and inspiration and students continue to keep going back to what they were playing around with. So I wanted to learn more and see how else I can, like you said, sprinkle them throughout the school
0: year. And I'm not working with students right now. But one of the things that always intrigued me in flash fiction is that the model is something like the six-word story, the attributed to Hemingway example of the six-word story, which is highly concise, for sale, baby shoes, never worn. And I see a lot of people doing things with six-word stories. But when I look at many of those, they're not actually stories. They're a six word image or they're a six word poetry line, but they don't actually have that arc, which makes it a story. So I'm very intrigued Kim, to hear how moving from something like six words to a hundred words actually lets you practice the full range of literary elements that constitute plot and character. So I'm all excited too. Let's turn it over to Kim. Kim, feel free to jump onto screen share and let us see what you have to share with us.
1: Okay, well, so I'm working on a book right now about using 100 word stories in the language arts classroom that incorporates all the stories in the book will have been written by teenagers. I also teach creative writing at the school where I teach, I teach English as well, but I teach creative writing primarily. And when I first started assigning 100 word stories, one of my students said in surprise, it's like all the parts of a real story, but short. And I love that she said this because even as I explained to her that a 100 word story is a real story, she was really spot on about the parts. With my students, both in my English classrooms and in my creative writing classrooms, we talk about stories as if they are built. There's an architecture in the work, a work of fiction, or a work of narrative nonfiction, a poem, a play, a screenplay, all of these works have been done on purpose and with intention by their author. And so we look at elements and literary elements as a way of unpacking the architecture of a story. And that's what I I really always love to start with with my with my teaching, when I introduce 100 word stories to my students, is the idea that a 100 word story has an anatomy, and this is what Elise was just talking about. In that, it's not a story if it doesn't have a clear beginning, middle, and end. It needs an arc, and so I almost always begin with arc for my students, because they need to understand that if it doesn't have that, then it might be this beautiful, glowing, imagistic piece, but again, not a story. And so we, we always put things out to each other. And one of the questions my students like to ask each other is, is it a story? <laughs> because we've learned now that a story needs certain things in order for it to function. So I wanted to start today with a a 100 word story that I really love by Jennifer Handley called, You Couldn't Wait to Leave This Town. And I just wanted to share it with you before we sort of launch into the four parts of this lesson so that we can look at the ways to actually apply this to a English or language arts or creative writing classroom. So I'm going to go ahead and just read it to you. And then we'll unpack it a little bit the way I would with with my students. You couldn't wait to leave this town. Oh, and I do wanna mention, cause my students always ask this and I love that they always ask this, is does the title count in the word count? Nope. So <laughs> the title does not count in the word count. The 100 words are all just in the story form itself. So that's actually a really fun lesson and exercise to do with them is just talk about what titles do and what titles create and why would, and then I have them come up with when they've written a story, I have them come up with 10 different titles for their story just to change the shape of the narrative even that way. Okay, so this is You Couldn't Wait to Leave This Town by Jennifer Handley. Concrete steps rise from pebbly cracked sidewalks but go absurdly nowhere. Into the boards of a fence or the sunless dirt beneath a low tree limb, an empty lot A telephone pole 80 years ago, a raging summer fire leveled everything for miles and when the town returned it shifted just a little and left these oddities growing up I barely noticed they were part of the salty wind bent landscape pointless who cared. But time passes smoke clears now I see their reminders, ways back. Someone lived here and here and here. The steps don't go nowhere. They go home. Such a gorgeous story. (laughs) So we might start by, I often talk to my students about the windows into a story. The opening line of a story is its window in. And so I would have them start by just simply looking at that first line and writing down or underlining or highlighting things that they noticed about the world that that first line lets them into. I asked them to look at things like adjectives and um, adverbs. I asked them to look at words that they felt the sentence couldn't exist without. For example, I think nowhere, the fact that they chose to end on the word nowhere is a really good example of a word that that sentence can't do without. And so that's, that's, that's one way we might start it. If we were perhaps looking at character, we would talk about the point of view in this particular story. We have a first person point of view, we actually don't meet her until well into the end of the, of the first paragraph of that story. Growing up, I barely noticed is when we first see our character and we get rooted in, in her view. And I would also talk to them about white space and the fact that she gave us a break in that story as we move into its conclusion. And so the anatomy, we, I'd have them look at where, how does it begin, what's happening in the middle, and where does it land? And when we talk about endings in stories, I talk to my students almost exclusively about the landings in these stories, because the last line of a 100-word story is often the most important one in so many ways because it's it's like a poem in that way and that it's like this magnet that's pulling all the rest of the story towards it. And so that's just one of the things we would start like looking at why they go home as that last line and why that's important. And we, I would do this all very slowly and with discussion and they would probably free write about their initial thoughts about it to start with. I can turn a hundred word story discussion into like two or three lessons, or I can do it in 15 minutes. It kind of depends on how much time you want to devote to it. I sometimes use them as warm-ups If we're about to read a longer piece or, you know, if we, if we're currently reading a play where we want to talk about character, I might find a character that from the play that seems similar to her and like find those connections. So there's, this is the anatomy. I just wanted you to get like a sense of the size and the shape and the form of it before we move into four possible ways to use it in your classroom. So the four possible ways, and believe me, there's about 50 possible ways and more to use it in your classroom. And hopefully in my book, you will want to learn more about all these various details about how to use them. I currently have 25, different ways to use them and I'm hoping to have 50 but the one that I really want to just kind of hit on to start with is the idea that you can use a standalone story to teach one or more literary elements and so if you're working on for example a literary element like character or conflict you could focus in on a story this is teenage playroom And it was written by one of my seniors, Max, who's actually now a sophomore in college. (laughs) But this was a story he wrote a couple of years ago. And it deals very much with the future and the idea that students are wrestling with their future. I've been using this story a lot this year. It seems appropriate. But I do love to use this story for the idea of the relationship between character conflicts and what's at stake in a story. So, Teenage Playroom. She glances at the clock on the wall. Only seven minutes have passed. Why is she desperate to leave? She had belonged here. Around her, her friends are laughing and playing. Again and again, she tries to step into their world, but she can't. No, she won't. Theirs is a child's world, full of jokes and judgments. These games aren't fun anymore. And she wonders how they ever were. Her gaze returns to the clock and she gets to her feet. It is time. Stepping over the remnants of her past, she frees herself. The door closes softly behind her. And so teenagers often wonder about their future. It can can be obviously a great source of excitement and worry. In this short story, the main character is struggling with this concept. In a piece of fiction, Creating something the character wants, giving them something at stake, what might they lose or gain, allows for conflict in a story because it invests the character in the outcome of their own story. And so this is, this is something we talk about a lot in my classroom when I'm teaching English or when I'm teaching creative writing is what's at stake for this character. What is it they want and what's in their way? And so as the students read this story, the lesson I would do with this is I'd have them underline a place in the story that shows the reader who the character is. What do we know about this character? Are there there any telling details? Is there any specificity about this character or language that's used that would show us who this character is? Then I would have them circle a place in the story that shows us what the character wants. And then we would look at how does that create the central conflict in the story? What is causing a problem for this character? And we would do this as a discussion or we could do this in small groups. When we're on Zoom, I do this sometimes in breakout rooms where I have the kids have a series of questions they have to then answer and turn in to me. So they're not just hanging out in the breakout rooms, doing nothing until I show up, which, you know, not that that ever happens, of course. And then I I want them to also consider what might she lose if she gets what she wants and what might she gain? Because it's often that tension of change that creates the central engine in a story. Most stories I tell my students when they're writing a story, they deal with, it's like a hinge moment. That's what we talk about a lot. Like it's not a static moment. Stories are interesting when our characters are experiencing change. And so this character is obviously experiencing a great deal of change in that way that, you know, many of our seniors do. And he, Max wrote this when he was a senior, of just feeling like things have gone. Oh, look, of course this had to pop up on my screen. and looking at the way things are changing for your character and, and feeling that clench that happens in a character. I also um this is not on this lesson but I like to talk about my students about whether a conflict is an interior or exterior. And so this this story for example deals with a really solid interior conflict. It's nothing that's necessarily coming at this character, it's generated from what this character is feeling. And I do really encourage, you know, even if, you know, this is how I teach, but if you're, you know, teaching character and conflict and stakes, but suddenly you guys are talking about interiority, I say go with it in your class. You know how that works. Kim, while um, you're,
0: while you're scrolling to, to your next point, one of the things that, that I'm noticing, and Catherine or Crystal might have some other observations, that, that you move really easily and in a wonderful way between talking about the literary elements in a kind of formal way like Mm -hmm. word conflict a formal literary term but it's mixed in with kind of writerly talk what does the character want what's in the character's way or a phrase like a hinge moment that seemed to me the way that writers think about plotting their own stories and it just seems like a wonderful way to move between a formal language for the elements, but then this really sense of what they're supposed to do to power a story that, you know, I just want to call attention to that because I think it's kind of delightful.
1: I think it's delightful too. And I think what's so exciting about these stories and their accessibility is they, when they read novels and plays and things like that, I think they can unpack them. I think they've learned, a lot of them have learned how to do that. They don't always feel like they can write them. When they look at these kind of stories and they see the form and they see that it's, you know, by itself basically here on this one little section, they feel like they can do that. They're like, I can do that. Like I can write a hundred words. And I always say that you can write a hundred words. We could write a hundred words right now. And I think after doing a thing like this, you could give them a writing prompt to say, create a character who wants something from his or her future, but feels stuck, Write A 100 word story that shows the moment of change for this character, the moment he or she makes a decision that will impact the future, you know, and just giving them that little kind of like prompt to write. I do a lot of prompts with my 100 word stories and with all my, the kid things the kids are writing for me, just to give them something to sort of jump off of.
0: You also have the virtue here of being able to see a lot of them, like some, like you could be talking about some of the same elements in the same way with a novel, mm-hmm. but we're not going to see 15 novels in the space of, you know, a couple of days or a week as we might, if everyone in our class was together writing a 100 word story. We, It's sort of the same virtue that make people like children's literature as a way to teach elements, because you can see you know, a fully formed relatively short piece, which is another great thing. And here comes Grant. Grant Faulkner, the aforementioned Grant Faulkner.
1: Yeah, so I, not to just stroke Grant's ego at all around this, but this is actually one of my most favorite 100 word stories and I've read a lot of them. And I, I I just love this story so much. And he knows, he knows how I feel about this story. But I often like to use uh, a 100-word story as an introduction to theme because uh, theme is a tough one, like even still for teenagers and high schoolers because they often confuse it with the idea of a moral and it's really Mm -hmm. not a moral. It's really, it's it's more generalized than a moral. It doesn't, a theme usually isn't bossing the story around in the same way that a moral might. And so I often like to talk to them about how a theme is often able to be summed up in one or two words. I love to talk to them about backstory, especially in novels, when we're reading novels, because backstory is really essential for novel study, which is of course the history or background to better understand the fictional character. I also like to talk to my writing students about verb tense. And so I don't know how many people have this problem or maybe it's just Northern California teenagers, but they love to bop all around with their verb tense all over the place. Like one minute they're in past tense, then they're in present tense, then they're in past tense again. And so I always like to talk to them with this story about when we do that on purpose, like why it matters and why it's effective versus when you're just doing it because you forgot you were in present tense or past tense for like half of your essay. So in this 100 word story focus, I would be talking to them about using backstory and tense choice to make connections that amplify character. And so looking at how, when you choose things for your characters for as a writer, you amplify that character and you let us get to know them better. I might also talk to them a lot about specificity and they get tired of hearing me say that word in my classes because I think all stories are are about being specific and being as specific as possible with language. Shirley Temple by Grant Faulkner. I sat at the bar, my feet swinging from a stool. Jacksonville 1972. The adults crowded into a circular booth in the corner. Men pinched women. Women squirmed in squirmy dresses. I smelled the chlorine on my hands as I listened to the cackles of laughter. My father told me I could have as many Shirley temples as I wanted, but I drank slowly, counting to 50 before taking a single bird-like sip. The cherry bobbed slowly lower in the glass, almost dissolving like candy. I wouldn't eat it until it rested on the bottom. It's good to have rules. Okay, so I usually read it aloud once and tell them to just listen. The second time I read it, I have them jot down observations, places that gave them clues about backstory of this character, things they noticed about the tense in the story. What did they notice about the theme of childhood? The next step is if you're reading a larger work in class would be to have them make connections to current classroom novel or outside reading books if you're having them write lit journals or things where they're making connections to classroom readings and outside readings. How do they see the theme of childhood in the, in the novel you might be studying in class? How is the backstory being used in that novel versus how it's used in this story? I think comparisons are a lovely way to really amplify literary discussion. In their their outside reading novel, what tense does the author write their book in and why? Present tense, we usually talk about immediacy, the idea that it creates an immediacy in the work, whereas past tense is obviously more reflective. It's more distanced. Grant does so much work in this story. It's kind of frustratingly amazing how, how much he does in this story especially just with that Jacksonville 1972. It's just the specific nature of that is so powerful. And then of course it starts off in this past tense way, and then it, the last line it switches. So obviously the implication is that this character has remained this way, has been completely defined by this childhood. And we learn that all in one sentence, which is incredibly uh, powerful, but I have them really look at, I love, I learned this from my mentor, Marnie Masuda, who was part of the Irvine Writers Project in the late nineties. And she constantly with her students in her English classroom would read it out loud and say, just listen, just hear it. And then she'd say, now observe it. And I always loved that because it was the idea that you listen and then you observe. And it's this idea that you start to make notes. You take notes um, on specifics. We know one of my students, the last time we did this story, she said, oh, she's, you know, he's a swimmer. He's got chlorine on his hands. They He chose to use the word cackles of laughter instead of like tinkles or chimes I mean he's making very specific choices with the using squirm twice in a row like that that echo of that word so I might even have them say what does that word make you think about what does it make you feel when you see a word like squirm like what do we know about these squirmy women and their squirmy dresses and then of course that dissolving like candy the idea that it's it's candy." And not salt or, you know, or something else at the end of that. So we just talk. And I have them make a lot of lists in my class where I have them pull out words that jumped out to them. One of my students really loved all the C's in this story. He noticed that there was crowded and circular and corner and counting and cherry. And it was like so many words that started with C. He liked that. Sit up. I like,
3: I like that too. Like there's, it just helps like all there's all this noise surrounding this person sitting there and, and drinking slowly and taking their time with all this noise going on around them.
0: Right. I love yeah. that. Very, very, uh, our character is very quiet, very centered. There's mm-hmm. the glass. And then, yeah, I love that crystal. Yeah, you are if, taking us through it very much, Kim, I think, the way that, that we might also approach a poem with that intensive look right. um, at the choices of specific language.
1: And a really fun thing to do with them is have them zero in, if they're reading a longer novel or a longer short story or a play, have them zero in on a passage that they feel like is a good example of like exact specific language. Because what poems do, what 100 word stories do, what most flash, flash fiction does is it gives you this exact specific language, right? It's it's No words can be accidental because the form is so tight. I argue and I've, you know, written several novels, so I feel like I have a little bit of cred with them when I talk about this, is that we do that too as novelists, that we try not to use accidental words. So we try to make sure our sentences are all on purpose. But it's easier to get sloppy when you're writing 70,000 words than when you're writing 100 words. And so I love really looking at poems and 100 word stories in flash fiction because everything is so exact. It's, it's so almost scientific in the way it's been built. And I encourage them when they're, when they're writing this, and we'll get to this in a second, and when they're editing their work, to really pay attention to each sentence, each word that's building that sentence, because they matter, they count, you literally count them. And so it forces you to, be, to make really specific choices. Okay, so that's, That was sort of the second example of being able to kind of connect it to a longer piece of work that you're reading. I love using 100-word stories as writing prompts, but I also like them to write 100-word stories based on a photo or a picture or a song. I sometimes bring in a song and I just have them listen and say, what is this tonally remind you of, or my daughter's a jazz musician. And so she'll sometimes give me jazz pieces to play for them and just have them write based on that piece of music. This is Western Hotel by Edward Hopper. I love Hopper's work and I love the colors in this. And so we start off our lessons simply by me telling them, write a 100 word story that uses this as its inspiration. And then we can share them and we can talk about them. Another fun thing to do is if, for example, you're reading a novel like The Great Gatsby or, you know, Their Eyes Are Watching God or whatever it is you're reading, have them look at a piece of art that might have some sort of correlation to the novel they're reading and then to write a 100-word story in the voice or point of view of one of the characters from the novel that they're reading. So like I, it's no secret with my students or anyone who knows me that I'm obsessed with The Great Gatsby and with Nick as a narrator. And so I really like to play around with narration and point of view and maybe have him write as if he was standing in the hotel room and looking out and what would he be thinking and doing. And so there's all like sort of playful ways. I think you can use 100 word stories as prompts and as writing prompts in in your in your classroom i start every day of my classroom with a writing prompt it lets me especially with zoom right now it lets me check in with people in chat it lets me do my attendance it lets me figure out like who i need to like message on instagram because they're late you know whatever i need to do to try to like chase down my students to get them to get on their zoom call the writing prompt, then they're all doing something for 10 or 15 minutes until we can all come together, like as a class. So that's just, that was just a third example about how to use 100 word stories as writing prompts. Whether you want to connect that to a larger thing that you're studying or use it as a standalone exercise is entirely up to you. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about today, and it's probably my favorite part of 100 Word Stories, is the idea of editing practice and how we edit our own work. I'm doing a thing I don't do very often, which is using one of my own 100 Word Stories as an example, but it's because I'm fine with like chopping it to bits if we need to. editing and so because I'm fine if you guys want to start hacking at that thing I don't I'm not attached to this story and I would feel really weird doing that to someone else's story that's not that doesn't belong to me and so I always like to preface by saying feel free to hack away when we start talking about how to edit a piece like this one my students love by the way love breaking apart my work I love to put something up that I've written and tell them to like, just take an ax to it and that I'm not attached to it. And they think it's so fun. They're like, you, it's okay if we cut things out and move things. Out. I'm like, yeah, go for it. It's not precious. And so it's a story and it can change. And I, they've rewritten this one on so many different fun, cool, clever ways when I have them, I have them do that. Now I have them do that in class with other people's stories when I'm not recording it. (laughs) So that's just a little tip. I just wouldn't want them to break apart someone's published piece when it's, you know, being recorded, it feels like a violation or something. But on for this particular recording, you know, we could happily, we could happily do that here. And I was going to actually see, I don't know at least how much time we have for this, but for the exercise I would have people do is I would have them practice rewriting this piece and pulling out things they liked, pulling things, maybe trying to write the whole thing with no dialogue, write it only with dialogue, like however they wanted to try to like change it up, you know, just to see, just to have fun. So this is called Band Shed. My daughter's a marching band jazz band uh symphonic symphonic band geek and so i spent a lot of time over the last three years until the pandemic at band functions so that's probably where the inspiration for this came from i also write young adult romance so that also helped out with this particular <laughs> story all right so it's called band shed he said no sequins she holds up a bedazzled vest hopeful I pick through bags filled with mismatched plates, plastic forks, pink raffle tickets. No costume vengeance. You're no fun. She drops the vest into a box, oozing marching uniforms, ripped jazz shirts, two broken helmets, plumes removed. She opens a cooler, emitting a sour sweet smell. Oh, gross. Nobody cleaned after the last comp. There's potato salad. She pauses. Maybe I'll put it in his locker. Maybe you should see a therapist, the finger she uses to tuck her hair behind her ears visibly shake, I cave, okay, the vest. Mm.
0: Do we have time to do the writing exercise? So I think think that actually anybody who's watching this on a stream, this would be a great time uh, to listen to what exercise Kim would do. And then everybody can just pause the video and write for a little bit And we can too. So what would you have us do? So what I would have you do with this one is I would have you
1: name both characters because right now it's very vague. We have she and we have I. I I would try to find a way for us to know who these two are more specifically. So some things are going to have to go in a hundred word story in order to amplify them more. And I would also encourage people to look for a place to make the conflict, to amplify the conflict, to like bring it more to the surface about what's wrong. And you have to do that partly by Xing through things you don't need. And so cutting things out and moving things around.
0: So if you're watching at home, Go ahead and put the video on pause and hopefully you've already found that you've got this document so you can write on it if you've got it on your screen or if you've got it printed out. We'll take a few minutes here too and then come back to the video when you're done. So we're back and hopefully you are too that you've hit the uh, play button again. Kim, you were making some observation was while we were writing about some of the things you experience when you invite your class to do this.
1: I Students are often really hesitant to make changes especially when something's already all typed up and nice in front of them. They, they almost worry that they're somehow wrecking it. And so I really encourage them to to draw lines through things, to circle things they think are really necessary, what things really popped for them, what what did they love about the piece, and then keep those things, but perhaps look at like, why does this need to be in first person? Maybe it'd be better in third person. Maybe by giving them character names, it would amplify both of these characters who are sitting here in this band shed. Maybe it needs a new title. Maybe it needs less dialogue and more sense of place. Maybe it needs uh, more backstory. Maybe we need to know what happened to this person and why she would want to put disgusting sour sweet rotting potato salad into this person's locker. Like what happened between them? So how can we know that? How can we bring that in? And that's, that's just, it's just important to encourage them that it's okay to try things and to cut things and to make mistakes. I tell my students all the time, most of fiction writing is stumbling around in the dark. You're just trying to figure it out. And sometimes you try things and sometimes they work and other times they don't. And it's okay. It's not wrong. And that's why I like them to use a piece like I've written because they know it's fine if they want to just say, well, I don't think you needed all that stuff about the plates and the forks and the raffle tickets. You know, I thought it needed more like backstory. Well, yeah, okay, then that's then change that story. It's and make it yours.
0: Catherine, Crystal, was there anything you were playing around either of you? I don't, I don't know. I
3: oozing caught my eye and I don't know (laughs) if I like it or not. I don't know (laughs) if it fits with the rest of the story except for maybe the potato salad. (laughs) and I agreed with like what you just said cutting out the plates plastic forks pink raffle tickets I felt those were unnecessary details Mm -hmm. although picking through the bags really helped me picture this scene between these two people I named them Eva and Jordan I don't know why and I don't know if they're I don't know if we need to be specific about genders here or not And I wanted to know more about the tension. Like, is there tension between these two people? Why are her fingers shaking? And why is she looking at her her or him or or they noticing that the fingers are shaking, like the the tension there? So I would want to, I was just putting an arrow. I don't know where the tension would go. I don't know if I'd want to wait to build the tension at the end or if I'd want to sprinkle some tension in the beginning and see if my readers catch it or not. So that's where my thinking was. Fabulous.
0: I I laughed because oozing stopped me cold I was like (laughs) I got to oozing I was wait a minute marching uniforms ooze how is the word ooze connected to marching uniforms and and despite the fact that there are only being a hundred words I had to like stop for a minute at oozing so it's interesting you named that one too And it's great, a great editing exercise for them
1: with this story or, and please feel free to use it, like feel free to have them chop at the heck. The best thing is having them swap in other words, like having them play around with, okay, so yeah, like oozing maybe isn't working there. So let's, what else could go there? What is it we're trying to capture with the way those things are spilling out, out of that bag? Like what, what do we want to, what are five other possible verbs?
3: Right. I, I like this piece so much because it lives in that in-between. And I guess so much of our writing does live in that in-between, like a poem is never finished, you know, it's only right. abandoned. Because I see this a lot, like poetry, because that's what I like to write. But I love that it lives in that in-between space. There's so much you can do with with this particular piece. Right.
1: Yeah. And it's it's one of those things where, for me, these stories... There's so much about that exact specific language and getting them to, when they've written one of their own 100 word stories, I asked them to do like three to four different rewrites on it that where they have to have said, I've swapped out 10 words or I changed four sentences and made them shorter or longer where I have them actually walk me through the mechanics of what they edited and why. They respond to me around that. And we start off by having them break apart one that's already there. And then they write their own. Like, why don't you, I might say to them, you write a 100 word story now that's set with two people that uses dialogue where there's some sort of tension outside of the story that's impacting these two characters, right? So, and then they would have to write that. And try to create and give it a specific world. Like one of the things that I, why I choose this one with band shed is a band shed. If anyone's ever been in the place where you store all the band stuff, it's disgusting. It's like, I've never seen a nice one. I was a drama teacher for tens of years. And the drama shed is the same way. It's just like chock full of all the leftovers or the stored stuff or the stuff for next season. And so it's, it's rich in place. And so I I encourage them to like make a list before they even start writing of where is this set? Give it a specific singular place. Who are these characters? What are they doing there? What is their role in this place? What's their relationship? And so they might write all this out for me and then write the 100 word story so that they've already done so much of the work
0: in these forms of lists. Catherine, did you what did you play around
2: with? Well, I I tried changing it to third person, but I love the interaction, the dialogue between the two individuals because even, you know, there's tension, but at that last line, you know, our narrator notices, oh, her fingers are shaking, so they cave in. You know, there's that caring relationship. Mm-hmm. And Kim, I was a band nerd too. So I'm imagining like, I love the description of the mismatched plates and the plastic forks. I'm picturing like the old dried nacho cheese and the mildew everywhere and the stench of the band uniforms that haven't gone to the cleaners yet. And I (laughs) thought that that really added to that tension and that sense of, I don't know. I was since they're in the band shed, I guess I just assumed that they were in that together. You know what I mean? And so they had that camaraderie. And so to me, that actually added to it that sense of place. So I didn't want to play around with that too much. I wanted to do more with maybe cutting down the
1: dialogue is what I tried to to play around with. And so, oh gosh, that's so great. It's so wonderful. I, I would tell them these conversations we're having with each other about what we would have done, what changes we would have made, what things stood out to us. This is what makes our writing ours, right? Is because we make those choices as writers and we get to decide not so much dialogue or maybe a little more of, of this or build the relationship. And we get to take like even a story that someone else has written and when we make those choices about what we liked or didn't like, we're deciding things about our own writing while we do that. Even though we're talking about someone else's piece, we're making choices about our own writing and about what we would have done differently or what we would have kept or what we enjoyed. And so that's what I love about having these kind of conversations with my students around a 100 word story is you know it takes 30 seconds to read that story. And then we can have these just expansive, incredibly specific conversations about what we care about in a story. And so, cause some, I mean, someone was like, I, I think that it's trying too hard to be funny. That's what one of my students said to me about this story. And I said, well, honey, I'm always trying too hard to be funny. And she was <laughs> like, right. So if I wrote this, it wouldn't be funny. Like, you know, so it's just, you know, it's, it's so writing is so special and so specific and so unique to us. And we get to be the writer we are. Like we get to make those choices. And so I love starting them off with these kind of, this kind of accessible, beautiful small form that they can feel successful with too. And seeing their success with it. The reason I've been so obsessed with these stories, partly I just love this kind of like, compressed form probably as a novelist it's really like it feels like relief to read these but I also just love watching my students faces just light up around feeling successful in talking about them in writing them in talking with each other about them they just I I just haven't I haven't come across a form that I've seen that with quite as much as this one
0: so Kim that's fabulous and also really points to the the virtue of something that really can be both deep, but also short enough that that proportion of time to just slog through to get it, and then time to discuss and play with it, you can really invest in the time to discuss and play with it and rethink it and et cetera, in comparison with longer forms. So I think you really have shown us that. I'm wondering if we should all, in our wrap up get back. if you want to take the screen share off. let's all come. Come on. And, and Catherine and Crystal, like what is this trigger for you? And in, in terms of the students you work with and the kind of curriculum you have, like what's firing in your brains?
2: One thing for me, I, I teach a lot of struggling readers, and this is something that would absolutely, they would jump on it. They would love it. They would feel such ownership over the stories. And I'm also thinking, you know, Earlier, you all talked about the link to poetry and the importance of language. Poetry is so intimidating for them. So if we spend time with this and they practice those skills, I feel like then that would empower them in the other areas with or other genres of literature as well. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to bringing this into my classroom. I think that it's going to really help them with editing, with understanding the text that they read, with really paying attention to the way the story is built.
1: Thank you. I have to just say one of my students last year said are you trying to trick me into reading poetry <laughs> that was what he said when we had done a number of these and I thought I'm not tricking you <laughs>
2: no, but kind of yeah. I did feel poetic though in in the sense like that there's so much in that in just those 100 words like you really are it's like you're being tricked into learning to read poetry a little bit better yeah. but I think that would be great for my students
3: yeah I, I couldn't write fast enough as you were talking. So there's so much that I'm on fire about right now. Everything that Catherine just said with the poetry, I we've, there's a lot of, readers that really do struggle that I work with. And I remember when we did this in the uh, earlier this school year, they, it really makes them slow down and play with sentence by itself, one sentence at a time. And it made them care more about their writing as opposed to write a short story who cares about the length. You know, they, you know it, they had more of a investment in their writing with the 100 word story. And I was just sitting here thinking as we're entering argument where, where I am right now that what a really cool way to play around with that. And, you know, you've got to get your argument in 100 words before you can, you know, elaborate and go into your full on, piece, whatever it is that they're writing. So I'm, I'm thinking how I could sprinkle this throughout the year and not just leave it in that Mm -hmm. isolated Mm -hmm. space of story when, when, you know, so made me think we can return to story more and more throughout the school year, not just in that one spot in the curriculum. Mm
1: -hmm. One of the things I love about the concept of story is it doesn't have to just be fiction, right? We tell stories that are true, You know, we tell them in journalism, we tell them in plays, we tell them in, you know, we tell them in all sorts of ways. And so just getting kids comfortable with that idea of what makes something a story and makes it a narrative. And then we can explore it through nonfiction or fiction or, or, you know, poetry, things like that. And I think that's, it's like, you know, you were saying it's much more accessible for those kids who, who are intimidated by poetry or who feel like, oh my gosh,
0: not another novel. I'm also thinking that there is a kind of, Crystal, you were pointing to it, a kind of attention that a form that is so specific, 100 words, or the elevator pitch, and it's 50 words, and that's it. Or when you're doing a character count form and you have to get your whatever into something like 250 characters, and you're almost there, but you're not quite there. And so the attention to, what word will come out or in order for another word to go in or any of those other kinds of things. It's a tremendous practice at high attention to language. It can make you want to blow your brains out sometimes. When yeah, it's,
1: you know. it, it can like The kids are really funny because they'll sit there. And when I had them in the classroom, you'd hear them like, oh, 103, which one, you know, they can, they're like going through all of that because they don't, you know, and it's so, it's so, fun to watch them and also kind of sad because you're like you don't want them to have to give up those extra three words and that's right can you fit it in the title title? figure it out right we're
0: we're all in the we're all in the same boat when we're all doing it so you know we are comrades in how do we handle the 103 word problem I get that
2: (laughs) I'm just I'm even wondering like if we read a longer story and then have them how would they turn that longer story into a hundred word story? Are they going to emphasize character? Are they going to put more on setting? And then kind of comparing, have them work in groups even compare across groups. What, what did you emphasize? Why, how does that bring meaning to that original story? I think that would be interesting as well.
1: That's a great idea.
0: Well, we're about out of time. So it's that point to wrap up and I have one last question for people that are watching and they want to jump into this of course at some point we'll have your book and that will be great and we'll make sure that people in the nwp find out when that's published and that's out but where do you find all these wonderful 100 word stories well my my go-to
1: is always 100 wordstoryorg which is it just has tons of them on there and then i just start googling them and they come up in various flash competitions various literary journals publish them as short pieces but my very first go-to is always
0: 100 wordstoryorg so if you're watching this we will make sure in the show notes that you get links to all of these because as we said at the beginning it's a real thing it's not something just made up it's an actual thing out there in the world that writers Try to do, and we always value that we're doing that with our young writers that we are asking them to do real work, make real things. Kim, this was great. Thank you so much. Uh, any last words, Catherine or Crystal, that you want to say before we wrap up?
3: I'm just filled with
0: gratitude. You, you
3: filled me as a writer this evening, definitely as a, a teacher of writing. And I, I really loved so much of what you said. Like, I wanted to. Just thank you for some of your words that I can then help with my students, you know, so they can see themselves more as readers and writers. And that's not a separate thing. That's something that we do simultaneously when we're playing around with language. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you. This was such a treat for me. I looked forward to it all day because it just, there's something about when the world feels overwhelming, working with fiction and form just brings me back to a place of solace and and peace. So thank you so much for
0: showing up today and being here. Viewers, if you're watching, please visit and learn more about the National Writing Project if we're new to you at nwp.org. And at nwp.org, you can see and learn more about the Writers' Council. And this is an example of how we always love to work, always love to learn from writers who can share their craft and the way they think about their craft. And we can build that into our teaching. So thank you, Kim, for doing that for us.
1: Thank you so much
0: for having me. This was so much fun. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project.
1: <laughs>
0: NWP.
3: NWP Radio.